Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Friday fantasy football edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I introduce today's special guest from North of the Border, please subscribe, like, comment, and share the uh, Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We've got a lot of fantasy football and uh, other exciting episodes coming. Hopefully, we've got a U.S. Open theme for the U.S. Open in two weeks at Torrey Pines should be a lot of fun. I mean, a golf tournament, one of America's most beautiful communities always is fun. So uh, now joining us from uh, north of the border tonight is uh, my friend and fantasy football nerd himself, Kyle Sinra. Kyle? Hi, Dylan. Uh, Yeah, nerd's correct for sure. It's uh, fantastic to be talking fantasy football on a Friday, as you mentioned. Yes, indeed. I mean, it may seem early f- for fantasy football chat, but you know what? Drafts are happening, and uh, it's time to win your league and uh, hopefully win some money, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, although I will say I'm definitely team more. I want to win the titles. The money's nice, but it's the, it's about the titles and the glory. Is it is it the trophy or the nice belt that, nice belt that you get for winning first? Neither. It's knowing you won. I want to know I won. That's that because that's that's the the memories of, of winning that um, you know the day you know week sixteen or I guess maybe this year week seventeen on on whatever Sunday when uh, when you see those players scoring and, and that, that final score comes in or you get such an insurmountable lead late that you you know it's done and that th- those moments are are quite exhilarating and it's 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 worth more than again any fantasy trophy any money any belt I'll take them all I like them I'm good I, I like those things but it's it's definitely just uh, it's all about winning baby. Just as the late uh, Raiders owner Al Davis would say, just win, baby. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, they did. I know the Raiders laughing stock now, but they, you know, they do have a, a few Super Bowl championships. So, uh, I, you know, I'm a Packers fan, so I'll dig into the Vikings that they don't have any. Haha, <laughs> take that, Vikings. Sorry, Vikings fans. So, uh, speaking of Packers, uh, one big fantasy discussion has been whether or not Aaron Rodgers will won't be the Packers starting quarterback opening day this year. Mm-hmm. So my take on it is a trade seems very difficult right now. It, it, you know, what teams are willing to give a package big enough, but more importantly, what, you know, what do the Packers really need? I mean, if they, if, you know, if they trade away Aaron Rodgers, their biggest need becomes quarterback. And right now it's Blake Bortles or Jordan Love, that would be starting. Uh, I would prefer an upgrade on either, but I also don't see how a team's giving up an upgrade. I thought the, I thought the reason that the rumors kind of hit just before the draft is because it was going to happen draft night. Like, I felt that was a natural time. I know everyone talks the Broncos. To me, as soon as the Broncos passed up by the number, or at least as soon as the Broncos picked with the number nine pick, and A, didn't take Justin Fields, and B, just picked, really, that to me cemented it as it wasn't going to be the, the Broncos, right? Because if... If the Packers dealt Rodgers and got that 110 or wait 109, whatever whatever pick the Broncos nine. had, nine, and Fields is on the board, I bet they take Justin Fields right there. And they say they cut their loss with Jordan Love because I think we all admit Justin Fields is a much better quarterback than Jordan Love, right? Someone that I think – I mean, the Bears probably think they can lead him right now. So I, th- I think that ship has sailed for this year. I don't see a trade actually materializing because, again, Denver. What does Denver really have that the Packers want? the most appealing asset is probably Jerry Judy, but how much they have to add on to Jerry Judy to get Rogers. I think tons. And you know, the Broncos giving up a few firsts, 
I don't know if the Packers really want the firsts from the team that Rodgers is playing on, because those are probably going to be in the 20s. So my my thought is Rodgers either retires or he's playing for the Packers this year. And based on the money, I doubt he retires. So my thinking is he's the quarterback for 2021, but as a Packers fan, I'm embracing for the fact that he's probably getting traded next offseason. Uh, do you think Aaron Rodgers is just grumpy because the – you know, in what, nine in the last ten, ten first-rounders have been on defense, and the one time the Packers actually drafted on offense, it was, oh, wait, Jordan Love. Well, I don't think that necessarily, because, I mean, it's it's more, it's not even what position you pick, it's making good picks. Because I think, you know, the pick of Jair Alexander, he's maybe the best corner in the league. I don't think Rodgers has any problem that they went defense that year uh, when they double-tapped Rashawn Gary and, and Savage two years ago and went defense on both first picks. I mean, those are I mean, Savage has started from day one and is, you know, developed to be quite great. I, I know Adrian Amos made an, an all-pro team last year, and I thought Savage played just as well. So, uh, and, you know, only in the second year. So, I, I don't think it's that they went defense. And, I mean, the other notion, I think, that gets overrated with the Packers, we're certainly going away from fantasy and just rant about the Packers, but this notion that they don't surround him with weapons. I mean, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, yeah, they weren't first-round picks but they were probably better than most receivers that were drafted in the first rounds of those years I mean really I mean Devontae Adams is better than most receivers drafted in the first round of any year really in the past decade so and and, I mean the offensive line has consistently been a top five top ten units so they've definitely given Rodgers weapons in that sense so I think it's a there's a lot of I'm not sure how much the tenacity between Rodgers and the Packers exists. Maybe that's me being optimistic. I also think there's a lot of it that's media narrative narrative driven. I think the, the, the media makes the rift seem much bigger than it actually is. I don't think it's at the point where he's just going to refuse to play. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to play because it's a lot of money that he loses if he doesn't, which to be fair to the Packers is money they can move over to the next year. So that's why I think the Packers will call his bluff on it. Like if he retires and they have to start with Bortles, they're probably not much worse off than if they traded him away and got pennies, which it seems like it would be the case. So I'm pretty much on team. He's playing. He's either playing for the Packers or he's not playing this year at all. I mean, theoretically, I mean, if, Packer, if Rodgers is back next year, I mean, Detroit is, well, <laughs> not good. The Vikings, well, you don't know what their post will be. And the Bears, well, so like Dennis Green was saying, the Bears are who, they, who we thought they were. You don't know what Bears quarterback started open day. I mean, Green Bay would be the big favorite in the NFC North. I mean, Rodgers won an MVP. Devontae Adams probably the best wide on football. Aaron Jones is uh, top, what do you think he is, five or six back in the league? Maybe a top ten, certainly. Uh, I think from a fantasy perspective, definitely in that top ten, I think uh... – you know, I, I, I do wonder, you know, the, the fantasy implications, you know, the, the, if Rodgers leaving or not. I think now, is, especially in dynasty leagues, is the time to kind of take shape. I just did a dynasty startup, and the, the scoring settings are a little different, but Devontae Adams went in the fifth round. And what? Superflex. What? Two, so Superflex, start two tight end as well. So there's some scarcity there. There's, uh, I think it's like a 0.25 point per carry. So, I mean, to be fair, like a lot of receivers were faded, especially early. Uh, so even fifth round, I think he might have been one of the. It was the, he might have been the fourth or fifth. I'm pulling it up right now, uh, but he went. He like that was kind of the range receivers were going. Tyreek Hill went two eleven, and then you had kind of AJ Brown, Metcalf, Jefferson, Stephon Diggs in the third round, Lamb at the end of the fourth, and then in the fifth round, 
you got McLaurin, Hopkins, Jamar Chase, and then Javante Adams. So I guess he is the, I guess he's about the 10th wide receiver that went off the board. And this is again, dynasty startup that's, that's still going on. It's a slow draft where we we're in the 20th round right now. Uh, so yeah, so a little bit of fading receivers earlier. Again, Tyree kill at two eleven was the first wide receiver to go uh, at that point two, you know, a couple tight ends, four running backs and a bunch of quarterbacks went. So uh, that's kind of just the way it was. But yeah, I, I was a little surprised too that at 505 there. So it, it you know, the, the worry is certainly there in, in, especially in dynasty right now, he's a bit older. I think that the worry is if Rogers leaves, he kind of has a massive tank in value. So I, I am curious to see as, as redraft season shapes up where he's going to be going in drafts. Cause I think before the Rogers news, it was kind of accepted. He was, you know, the one Oh one in, in redraft, I think for, or not the one one the wide receiver one, I think entering rankings. So it's curious to see if how much he's going to fall from a redraft perspective. I don't think I could, you know, third, they could Tyree kill maybe Deandre Hopkins. It's tough for me to lower him, you know, much lower than that in dynasty. I can kind of get it, but you know, wide receiver five, six, maybe I can get those young guys like Jefferson and Metcalf Brown because they're so young Tyree kill but not many more guys than that. Like Terry McLaurin ahead of Adams. I thought that was okay. That was a little surprising, even the rookie Jamar chase, but that, that seems like that's where the, the flavor is right now in dynasty. Certainly. Uh, could you explain the difference difference between redrafts and dynasty leagues? Because obviously you think, well, in fantasy football, Devontae Adams is going to be my number one receiver, but could you explain the difference between a mm-hmm. dynasty and a redraft league? Sure. That's actually erroneous of me to just assume everyone knows. So um, yeah, so redraft, it says it in the name, you redraft every year. So every year, whenever your draft is, is indicated, you make it an entirely new roster every year based solely on that draft. And of course you could, you know, waiver wire additions through the year and, and trades and those are other ways to manipulate your roster. But with dynasty, you retain pretty much the entirety of your team every year. And, you know, there's some, some leagues will have different settings in terms of, you know, roster cutdowns. Okay, the roster at this size, this time of year, this cut down to this in season, or you know, vice versa sometimes. But the general idea is, you once you make that initial startup uh, draft, that's your team the rest of the way. And again, trading is I think much more prevalent in dynasty than it is in redraft leagues. I know I'm fairly active redraft traders. You know, compared to how certain people, especially compared, they can like you know some some leagues there's no trades in redraft whatsoever so uh, i kind of tend to be a little bit more on the active side in terms of redraft trading but it, it definitely takes a step up in dynasty i know that's one of the big uh, uh pulls of it and the way you add players every year is through the rookie draft so as on top of having your roster you also have rookie draft picks every year you know might be two three or four rounds five some, some drafts even six uh again that'll be league dependent but those are so that's how you you know Inf, uh, infuse new players into the league. That's how the rookies get onto teams. It's through those rookie drafts, and just like players, they can be dra- they can be traded. So uh, that's like, there's like I guess dynasty in a nutshell. What's the one position that's undervalued in both leagues and overvalued in both a dynasty and a redraft league? I mean, to be honest, it all comes down to the scoring settings, and uh, you know, you get a. And, and scoring and roster. Cause if, I mean, if you have a league where you have to start two running backs, three wide receivers, only one tight end, maybe it's super flex, maybe not, but and there's no premiums on any positions. Everything's pretty flat running back and wide receiver are probably going to be the most important positions. If it's super flex, it's almost always going to be quarterback no matter what. And like even super flex, like some people, some leagues you see quarterbacks go crazy early and it almost thinks some quarterbacks are getting overrated, but then in other leagues, 
you know, it's a little more passive and, and it feels like quarterbacks are underrated. So it's even tough to pinpoint in, in exact scoring settings because it is all league dependent. But if, if so, again, compare two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end without tight end premium, running backs, wide receivers are where you're going to want to focus most of your depth on. However, if the scoring and roster settings say one at each position, I only have to start one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end and five, six flex spots. And let's say there's a tight end premium. Suddenly tight ends become the more viable position. And if your league isn't kept up to that, they become suddenly the position that's undervalued. But I feel like in, in other, in, you know, the previous example I was talking about, no tight end premium, the scarcities at other positions, I find, especially in the middle grounds, there's some tight ends that go early, uh, a little too early for my liking. Noah Fant, someone last couple of years, Mike Kosicki, there's kind of a range last year. I know a, a couple of years ago, it was like OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, and they kind of failed to produce too. So it's even depending where you are in drafts. Early in drafts, it might actually be tight ends are undervalued. Those, those elite guys should maybe be going earlier than they are. But once you get to the middle rounds, then tight ends are suddenly being overvalued because people feel like they have to get their guy there. You go early or just wait till the end because they go from undervalued to overvalued real quick. And just, you know, just kind of be paying attention to that. So if you're going to choose to, to miss out on, I, I say it's, I say it's an elite tier of maybe five from redraft. We'll say four, maybe, but in dynasty, I maybe even extended to six, but uh, Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Andrews. And then for dynasty, you can add, I think Hawkinson and Pitts to that. Maybe even Noah fan if you, but I don't know. I don't like that, that quarterback situation in Denver. And again, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going there. So I, I think it will continue to be bad, but if you don't get one of those guys, I think every other tight end becomes overrated and you're better off waiting. So uh, sorry to have a not so simple answer to your question there, Dylan. So heading into the 2021 fantasy football season, um, what are some players you're liking and some players you're not liking? Yeah. So I think a uh, player that I'm, I, I really like in terms of just seems like, and I'll say this, I've only, I'm just starting right now my first redraft draft. I've done a couple of best balls, but season long redraft, I'm just in the process of my first draft right now. And we've only, I think we're still in the first round and slow draft. So not really sure how that's going to be, but I know in dynasty Cole Beasley has been going crazy late and I kind of get the sense it'll be kind of the same in redraft where he's just going to be going much later than what he should be uh, without John Brown. I think he's very clearly the number two target. I mean, he was last year. Brown was hurt though. So that, that kind of factored in, but I think he and Stefan Diggs are just going to feast on targets. And while Diggs is going early as he should, I think Beasley is going to be such a value. So he's one player that I'm going to be looking for probably often in, in a lot of different formats, but uh, you know, he's 32. So in these dynasty leagues where the young guys are prioritized, he's going so late, like in this draft, I got him ridiculously late. I, I got him in the 17th round, 1710. Um, so I thought that was a you know, massive value. And uh, I, I, yeah, I think I mentioned these scoring settings, the two tight end super flex. And so I kind of faded receiver and to get guys like that at the end, I think is, uh, it's kind of my thing. I, I don't know. I, I feel uh, there's a lot of good value receivers. I did a, an auction uh, startup draft and I, you know, the crazy value late on receivers, just in terms of the guys that were nominated last, everyone wants to pay up for the first few, but the, you know, I got Cooper cup and, Chris Godwin super cheap just because that's where they ended up. So I think drafts this year, wide receiver is going to be really deep. Don't feel the need to force to draft one. Oh, I need to get this wide receiver. If, if, you're, if you're stuck between a wide receiver or that elite tight end or wide receiver and you know running back at the end of the tiers, I would much favor those other positions and think I can always just accumulate value at wide receiver. It seems like this year. 
I can attest Michael Thomas was my first round pick next last year and well that well that went well yeah no I definitely I think I, I did a couple drafts uh like that um I know uh my yeah I've seen some drafts last year that went Michael Thomas Chris Godwin to start and that was uh it was pretty awful for most of the season a lot of games missed due to injury but uh, I almost feel like Thomas is actually coming to be a value this year because of that so uh, I think he might be someone I, I might actually like a lot this year uh let me let me tell you my first uh Michael Thomas and Julio Jones were my were my first two picks last season <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, just like Godwin. And, that's and not a good know what, start. And you know what? Devontae Adams was available in the Julio spot. And I'm like, who do I pick? Julio Adams. Well, Adams was coming off the injury the year before, right? So yeah, and at that Julio point, it, it seems like Julio was the healthier guy. And yeah, that went well. <laughs> so um, obviously, when you think of Beasley, I mean, He's such a great PPR guy. He might not score a lot of touchdowns, but he could get you six for seventy every day of the every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Which for being what a seventeenth round guy wouldn't be bad. Yeah, and again, I, I feel like in redraft it's probably not gonna be that late again. The dynasty I think definitely skews that particular price. Uh but I mean if I mean if he's going in like the seventh, eighth round of a redraft league, I think that's a huge value. So uh yeah, uh, we'll, we'll look. I'll look to see as redraft season starts. And again, I, I got this one redraft league going now, so I'll see where he ends up there. But uh, as the, as we get closer to season, it'll be interesting to see where he's going in drafts because I think he he might be a key value guy. Uh, again, as long as he doesn't creep up into like the sixth, fifth round, and I, I doubt he's going that early. Uh, he's he's probably going to be a value. How much could Emmanuel Sanders play in the Beasley's role? I think Emmanuel Sanders probably hurts Gabe Davis more, to be honest. I think uh, it, they're probably using him to kind of replace what they had in John Brown, but it seems like Beasley and Diggs kind of have secured roles. And I mean, the amount they pass a third wide receiver is viable there. So I don't think Sanders really takes away from Beasley. I think Sanders takes away from the other tertiary pieces. Like they'll, you know, Josh Allen's going to be less inclined to throw to the running backs or, or throw to tight ends. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily that high on Sanders. I don't think he's going to get nearly the target share that Diggs or, or Beasley will, but um yeah, yeah. I guess the only the only limitation with Beasley is even though he, you know, all the targets last year, he only had five red zone targets. Uh, so that's maybe the concern you mentioned with the touchdowns. So he's definitely not someone you want if you're if you're chasing upside. Like in in that particular lineup spot, if you need a, an upside play, he's not necessarily going to be that. But he's also again not going in a range where you, you're drafting him to be an every week starter. You can pl- pick the matchups with him. Games where we think the Bills are going to be in a shootout and the passing times are going to be higher. And he's going to really accumulate those catches or games where you kind of need a, a safe PPR floor type player. Those are where you're going to favor him in games where you feel like you really need to be aggressive. I need that upside. Then you, you know, you draft other receivers. So again, the other thing too is balance, right? So if you're going to draft Beasley also draft a, I don't know, a Henry Ruggs type or a Marquez Valdez Scantley. I don't even think you know the Packers too much, but the deep threat types, right? Like that's like how you kind of complement them. And then you, you, every week you kind of make that decision. Okay. Do I need the upside or the safety based on your opponent, but also look at their matchups. So that's kind of how I would approach a bit of uh, strategy there. And now uh, name somebody you really, you uh, of totally fading right now. Huh. Tough to see anyone that's completely off in terms of price. Um, again, I would say the early reach on wide receiver is what I'd look to avoid. 
so I don't know. Again, it, it seems like it was going to be Adams almost like, you know, Adams might've crept into like a, a 106. That That's not when I really want to take a wide receiver no. there. I want to guarantee a, a running back in those first two picks. And in that elite tier, I'm not guaranteed getting it around the turn in the second. So I would say something like that, you know, whatever wide receiver you feel like taking in the top half of the first round, that's the guy that I'm going to avoid. I think not, not to make a vague answer, but I just feel like for the most part, I think I want to avoid wide receiver in the first round altogether. Like I'd, I'd rather take a, a Kelsey, even a Kittle, give me that positional difference at tight end because wide receiver, there's so many. So I'll say, I'll say, I'll say any first round wide receiver. First now, round you just, now you just made my fantasy draft so much easier. I'm like, unless all, unless all the tight ends and running backs are gone when I pick, I'm not taking a wide receiver in the first round. Well, I'm looking at the math. Okay. So I guess it's depending on how many tight ends do you think are worth taking in the first round? I think Kel- Kelsey's kind of a lock. And then is Kittle the second or do you have another? Two. You say two. So who's the second? Assuming Kittle Kelsey. and Kelsey. Kittle and Kelsey, yeah. I wonder how much of an argument Waller makes, but I don't think he's ever going to get to the first round. So if, you know, in a 12-team league, that's only 10 running backs. I mean, if I'm just counting through quickly, CMC, Cook, Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. You already mentioned Aaron Jones. Did you say, uh, did you say Kamara? Yeah, I said Kamara. I really like Cam Akers this year. I thought he really showed out well last year. I've never been a real Darrell Henderson fan. I think Akers is much more talented. And I think based on the usage last year, at the end of the season, the Rams know that too. So I think Akers is going to get a massive workload. We're already at eight running backs. Like that's the, that's the 110. Um, I don't know if you you feel about Swift, if you like Swift. I didn't even mention Derrick Henry for redraft, like especially from a redraft perspective, Henry goes there. So you can easily get to 10 running backs. So I, I think there's no need to, to take the wide receiver. Again, if there's certain formats, if there's certain, like let's say in a league where you have to start four wide receivers and there's no tight end premium and there's not much RB scarcity, like you only have to start one, maybe two, a uh, ton of flex spots where you want to be super deep at wide receiver. That might be the type of league where you'd go about it, but it's got to be really specific formats where the wide receiver becomes the most important position. That's the really the only type of league. And it's again, really super specific and everything else is depressed. Like it's not super flex, so yeah, I think uh, maybe that's just, I mean, you know, listing all players, but one player in particular is just whatever the first wide receiver is. Don't be, you know, if you take the first wide receiver mid second, that's amazing. That's great. That's the value you wanted, but not in the first round. Uh, could part of the problem now, could part of the problem be with running backs is that, you know, running backs are there every week, but some running backs just have bad years or get hurt. I mean, CMC, Barkley, Zeke Elliott, all underperformed or got hurt in some way or form last year. Uh, but I mean, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, all got hurt. George Kittle. It's, it's not just a running back problem. In fact, actually, the, the injury rate at tight ends is higher than it is at running backs. So you're, you're actually making a bigger risk taking those tight ends, although I, I, get, I think, I think the, the risk reward is worth it. But I think uh, the thing with running backs, it's the predictable usage. You know going in, this guy's probably going to see you know, double-digit carries, at least those workhorses. We know they're probably going to see 15 touches between a combination of carries and receptions. Even the best wide receivers – can get kind of phased out if they you know they face blanket coverage or a team really sets their mind on we're not letting that player catch the football that's going to be a lot harder to, to kind of or that's good that's easier to do sorry than it is say oh we're not going to let them hand off i mean 
you know, if they, if they want to choose to give that running back a carry, the other team doesn't really have a, a say in that. You can put up enough points that they can't run the football, but again, it's, it, it's difficult. So even the most consistent wide receivers are still going to be up and down. So I think that's, that's lead with me now with the 17 game schedule, more games, do teams suddenly use running backs differently and there's no more workhorses? Sure. Maybe, maybe that is a risk this year. Maybe, maybe the people who are going wide receiver early are going to look back on us and laugh at us all. So, you know, that possibility does exist, but I still feel like the elite running backs, they're going to get a ton of touches because they're so much more talented than the backups teams that are competing are definitely going to want to give those players everything they can handle. Now, now speaking of podcasts, I'm not the only one with a podcast here. Can you talk about your podcast? Sure thing. So uh, I'm on a, I've got a couple of projects. So first I'm uh, with full press coverage. I've got the full press fantasy pod as well as the full press Packers pod. So obviously the fantasy one, mostly fantasy football centric. I know we've done a couple episodes looking at different fantasy sports a couple of years or last year. I think we did a couple of fantasy baseball episodes. Uh, I usually do some fantasy hockey drafts as well. So sometimes incorporate those in. Um, but for the most part, it's fantasy football centric. And then the, the full press Packers pod, it's literally just about the Packers. I'll sometimes throw some fantasy stuff in there, but rarely, but I, I try not to. It's, it's really just about Packers news. I know uh, la- the most recent episode that was just released, actually, uh, my co-host uh, Jesse Hall and I, we counted down the top 10 Packers seasons in history, which is a fun thing to do as Packers fans. There's so many titles. Um, but, you know, so now that we're in the off season, we're going to maybe do some more rankings, uh, be- favorite, you know, best Packers players at, at different positions, maybe overall. So those types of lists are going to be coming in, in this off season. So a lot of fun stuff there from the hat. You can also see I'm with going for two and I have a couple of shows on the going for two live network. I've got press coverage, which airs uh, every uh, second Monday, including uh, the upcoming Monday, which will be June 7th. I believe we're going on at five 30 Eastern time. I've got John Lobb and the premise of press coverage is a one-on-one interview show with a uh, fantasy analysts and, and people in the industry and less about the actual fantasy football talk. There are some questions relating to it, but it's mostly about getting to know these analysts and know a lot about their, their other hobbies outside of fantasy, their, their life progression to get into fantasy sports and, and football in general. And, and so uh, you know a lot of getting to know a lot of really good people uh, in that. And then I also have the dynasty gambit, which I'm a co-host of on the going for two live network. And that one is a lot of just dynasty talk. A lot of, uh, I always like to throw game theory, as you can see from these interviews, you ask me, well, what's the specific player? And I'm giving you a whole process of, of this archetype. Uh, you know, I'm, I am geared, especially from a, a lot of times it is the, you know, the, the game theory side, the, the different strategies, not just with drafting, trading and different types of processes. So I uh, definitely bring that to the, the dynasty gambit. We do about talk player evaluation. Sometimes we look at someone's roster and kind of hint at okay, what are the things they can do. And, and again, back to the, the big game theory talk that I try to bring in. So, you know, all those uh, shows, so full press uh, fantasy pod, full press Packers pod. And then on the going for two live network, we've got press coverage and the dynasty gambit. I've got a question. What would the number one Packers season be? Would it be 66, 67, 97 from the year Aaron Rodgers won his one and only Super Bowl? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I want to give it away on the show because I'll tell you, it's actually, it's actually none of those. Ooh. So uh, maybe uh, people, sh- uh, you know, 
maybe I'll, I'll recommend people to go listen. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of those seasons, both Jesse and I had in the top 10. So we definitely do talk about all of those years. Uh, but yeah, the, the number one Packer seasons actually isn't one of those that you mentioned. So uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll let people go listen for themselves. I'll, I'll mention it to you off camera if you want, Dylan. I won't leave you too much in suspense because you've been so gracious to have me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Kyle. And, uh, I, and uh, hopefully the Packers are in LA for the Super Bowl and uh, could Aaron Rodgers be the first Jeopardy host to be a Super Bowl champ? I mean, he's already a Super Bowl champ. I guess he could become a Jeopardy host after. <laughs> yeah, be the full-time Jeopardy host, right? Or at least yeah, a yeah. major host. On the- yeah, I guess he could do it at the same time, maybe. That would be that would be quite the feat, for sure. I, I, I'd cheer for it, for, definitely. Yeah, so thanks for hopping on, and uh, we'll see you uh, later.